Hello, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, whenever or wherever you may be listening. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to Crunch Time with Keegan and the Boys. I'm your host, and I'm joined today by Sam Godsey and Tanner Dislin. Today, we'll be breaking down this past weekend sports. So let's go ahead and get into episode 26 here on Crunch Time. The reason why we didn't have any episode last week is because Sam was dealing with finals, and then Tanner and I did record an episode but unfortunately ran into some technical difficulties. So we tried to get an episode out last week, but just wasn't meant to be, unfortunately. But excuses out of the way, this is attempt number two on episode 26. Knock on wood, we're not gonna run into any issues today. Let's start out the episode with getting into the winners and losers from this past week. So the winner from this past week, it has to be the Detroit Lions getting their second win of the season. Who wants to tell us a little bit about what happened in this game? I'll tell you what happened. It was a 30 to 12 kind of domination of the Arizona Cardinals. So much so that the Cardinals benched Kyler Murray and went ahead and put in Cole McCoy to, to finish out the game. But just what I kind of want to focus on here because, because of the kind of the headlines that have been in football recently is just how hard the Lions play for Dan Campbell. I mean, how, how hard is it when you are 0-11-1 to, to continue to, to show up and, and play hard? Because, I mean, football is not only a physically demanding game, but a mentally demanding game. And when, and when you're not seeing the success on the field, it's so easy to check out. But that, this is a huge credit to Dan Campbell and, and inspiring his guys because, look, they, they've come out and won two of the last three and, and have done so against team two teams that are – kind of in, that are certainly in the playoff hunt. So, uh, so congratulations for the Lions for getting that second, uh, that second win, but don't look now. Number one overall pick currently goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars who would have it for the second year in a row. We're going to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars and that organization just a second for our loser. But I, I, I just want to pour on a little more for the Lions here. They beat the Arizona Cardinals, the team that going into this week was tied for having the best record in all of football, you know, they got their first win two weeks ago. Uh, uh, yeah, they got their first win two weeks ago against the Minnesota Vikings, which no disrespect to the Vikings. They're a team that's hovering right around the 500 mark right now. They're just barely below it, if I if I can recall correctly. But this is the Arizona Cardinals. This is a team that's trying to fight for the one seed, that's trying to beat the Rams out in that division. They have potentially a, super, a uh, MVP candidate. On the team in Kyler Murray, like you said, Tanner benched. Sure, the, the sure the Cardinals didn't have you know DeAndre Hopkins, but they have a they do AJ not, Green, Rondell Moore. Uh-huh. It's like they do not lack James weapons. Connor. It's like they had one of their weapons out. They do not lack weapons for and for the Detroit Lions to dominate them the way they did is just really impressive. Now we you mentioned the Jacksonville Jaguars for a second. Let's get into that. The loser of the episode has to be Urban Meyer. And when we're talking about Urban Meyer, we might throw around a few expletives. So just fair warning. There, This has been an ongoing story from the moment he stepped into the facility. He signed, uh, he signed a, five, a, four or, a four or five year contract. I can't recall which one. And he didn't even make it through the first year. Sam, well, of, of this Urban Meyer saga, which was your favorite moment? Because there's so many different stories. 
which one was the one that made you laugh the most? It's got to be the situation with uh, former Jaguars kicker Josh Lambeau. <laughs> I mean, so for those who don't know, uh, the day before his uh, firing, Josh Lambeau comes out accusing Urban Meyer of physical abuse, saying that Meyer reportedly kicked Lambeau's legs during warmups prior to the team's final preseason. Um, it what Lambo said is an exclu- inexcusable. After Lambo told Meyer to never kick him again, Lambo said Meyer responded, "I'm the head ball coach. I'll kick you whenever the f I want." Later uh, that day, Lambo reported the incident to his agent, who then reported it to the Jaguars. I'm just gonna put it straight. Urban Meyer's a piece of shit. Let's be honest here. <laughs> he he's a scumbag. Has been since he started coaching, let's be honest. But that's got to be the, my favorite incident. He kicked his kicker. I mean, not, he kicked his kicker. He refused to call kickers and punters by their first name. Yeah, he would call right. them Any, yeah, kicker yeah. or punter. Yeah, anyone on special teams. He, he, he refused to call them their name. He he forced his assistant coaches, his the people who are supporting him, to defend their resume because he's a winner – and they're not. I, I can't even begin to explain how shitty a human being he is. I mean, come on. Obviously, Urban Meyer is number one at fault here, but I got to put as much blame, um, I- at least I- into, into the decision-making. I mean, because when you are a rebuilding team, clearly, and you are about to have one of the most highly, highly thought of quarterback recruits really in, in a while in, in Trevor Lawrence, you need someone like Dan Campbell, someone I just mentioned. Yeah. He might make some, he's not, he's not a polished NFL head football coach. Yeah. He's going to make some in-game decisions that are a little questionable, but his players fight. Look at that locker room. See how happy they were. Like when they won that game, he's, he is crying tears when, when they lose the close one for his players. When they win, the locker room is, is admiring every piece of the win that they couldn't have done it without special teams. They couldn't have done it without the defense. They couldn't have done it without the offense. And Urban Meyer is refusing to use the names of one of the aspects of a football game. I mean, this is absolutely absurd. Urban Meyer, wherever he goes, he leaves in disgrace. This is now number three. Um, It falls into that category. And just one thing I'd like to leave you with, as Sam mentioned, as soon as it happened, Josh Lambeau told his agent, who then went on to tell the Jaguars, he didn't get fired because he did it. He got fired because we found out. Wow, I, that is a fantastic point. I didn't even think about that. A, a few things I want to add in there. So Josh Lambeau, he's not just any run-of-the-mill kicker. He's one of the best kickers in franchise history. Now, granted, an expansion, uh, you know, an expansion team not too long ago, they don't have that long of a history. But it's not like Josh Lambeau was a bad kicker either. He, he left the team because he didn't want to be a part of that franchise anymore. He had been that kicker on that team for several years. He was a quality guy, a, a starter in the league, and just was completely disrespected along the rest of the special teams, every other special teams member. And uh, as, as a fan of a team that really struggles on special teams, it's an, it's an important piece of the process if you're going to win football games. It can win you games, and it can lose you games. And more than that, 
they're human beings. They deserve to be called their name. Uh, a, an additional part of this whole Urban Meyer saga was the uh, all the way back at the beginning when he was handpicking coaches to be on his staff. Uh, Urban Meyer picked a former Iowa strength and conditioning coach, Chris Doyle, who resigned under pressure in February from the University of Iowa after allegations of racial remarks that led to his departure from the university. Meyer handpicks Chris Doyle. And the day after he gets hired, Chris Doyle gets left, like gets, gets let go because some of what was actually said came to light. This is the type of human beings that Meyer handpicks someone who you know made racial m- remarks in the Iowa program for years has to leave immediately later on, you know, when they're, when the team's leaving from Ohio after a loss in Cincinnati, Urban Meyer's doing his best ventriloquist act oh, with his hand up someone's behind in a bar in Columbus. And it's uh, like you said, Sam, and like you said, Tanner, this guy is a piece of shit. Doesn't deserve to have a job in the NFL. Doesn't deserve to have a job in college football. Doesn't deserve, just, doesn't deserve yeah. to manage people. He nope. does not deserve to manage people. One more little nugget of just how bad it got in Jacksonville. Marvin Jones Jr. is a wide receiver yeah. on the Jacksonville Jaguars. He has been in the league since 2012, and he has played with the Cincinnati Bengals for three years and the Detroit Lions for four years. He has never had a problem in the locker room in one year in Jacksonville, and he had to walk out of that locker room. Because that is how toxic and how bad it got in Jacksonville. Marvin Jones Jr. is kind of a, an exemplary, is, is a good example of someone who's kind of had it rough yeah. so far in his NFL career. And, and he has never had to do what he had to do in Jacksonville. Last, last little point, I, th- I just saw this. His Urban Meyer's 13-game tenure is tied with Lou Holtz and Bobby Petrino, another piece of shit, for the fourth <laughs> shortest coaching tenures in NFL history. So I thought that was an interesting fact for you. <laughs> Nobody will beat yeah. Bill Belichick. Nobody. <laughs> His one-day tenure with the New York Jets. <laughs> Incredible. You, you think uh, you think the Jets are kicking themselves for not keeping Bill Belichick? Well, I mean, it's not like they but they they had hired him, and then a day later he took the New England job. Oh, is that how that worked? Yeah, uh huh. Wild. So Bill Belichick didn't want the Jets. So that's how that worked out. Wow. Who would though? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so the who's so who's the most played franchise? Like I, this is something that jumps to mind. So we have we have the Jacksonville Jaguars, we have the New York Jets. Who's like what what franchise in the NFL is the most like is is the so adverse to success? I think it's the Detroit Lions. I mean, they have oh, the yeah. they have the worst juju of all time. I mean, <laughs> yes, yes, the team right now is bad. Their luck, they lost on a what was it, sixty-five yard field goal. 66-yard field goal that hit off the crossbar and bounced over and in. Otherwise, it would have beaten the Ravens. The Minnesota Vikings made a 51-yard field goal to win a game, so their juju is worse than Vikings <laughs> in, in that regard. And 
if uh, Greg Joseph didn't make that kick, they would have swept the Vikings this year. Put that in the back of your mind. Wow. Yeah. And that's just this year. I mean, and they've had some talented, talented players. I mean, Matt Stafford for all those years, Calvin Johnson, that connection was absolutely lethal. Barry Sanders. Going back to Barry Sanders. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Barry Sanders was as good as it gets in the backfield. So they've had, they've had some talent in their, in their franchise history, but that yeah. luck and yeah. call it luck. I mean, I do think they are mismanaged in a lot of, uh, a lot of questionable decisions, but certainly there, there are a bunch of stuff in game that you can't really manage, uh, manage your way out of it. The luck there seems to be a, a little rough for, for Detroit. I mean, Barry Sanders, one of the, you know, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, you know, running back of all time. The dude only had one playoff win in his entire career. Like they, the Lions made the playoffs five different times uh, during during Sanders's career, but they only made it to the second round of the playoffs once. Sam, what do you think? What what's the most tortured franchise out there? I think the Browns are definitely up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but with their recent success if you could even call it that at this point <laughs> hey they're um, they're uh if a win tonight makes them eight and six so yeah with 19 know. players out yeah okay that's gonna happen <laughs> 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 but just their history everyone's seen the picture of the guy with the jersey <laughs> with all their quarterbacks yeah, all in the, the past like five years so and the, them just kind of being the laughing stock of the nfl since in the 2000s, really, I think that's a, a good answer for your question there. Yeah, I'm pulling that picture up right now. So I'm just going to – I'm not going to rip through all the names, but it goes all the way back to uh, Tim Couch. Let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. And uh, 22 was uh, Robert Griffin III who apparently was started there at one point after Johnny Mansell. I do so, remember that. Um, so we're t- potentially talking 23, 24, uh, depending on when, because Tyrod Taylor and then Baker Mayfield. So it depends on if there's anyone between RG Triple Sticks and, uh, <laughs> and uh, Baker Mayfield. RG Triple Sticks, I like it. Of course, talking about tortured, I do have to give some love to the Minnesota Vikings for torturing oh, yeah. me. For 23 years, just a little, a little, uh, little, uh, a little information for you. The Vikings currently are seventh in the NFL in franchise win percentage, and they are one of of, of about half the league that has an uh, above 500 um, franchise record. And above them is the Dolphins, Patriots, Ravens, Bears, Cowboys, and Packers, all of which who have multiple Super Bowls. And the Vikings have, as you all know, zero. They're also ahead of the 49ers and Chiefs, who also have – I know the Chiefs have at least one. The 49ers have multiple. And the Steelers are below them as well, who, who have four, two, so, or five. Six? Have six. That's kind of where it stands. But I actually have a, a quick trivia question. I'm curious to, to get your guys' guess on this. Who do you think has the lowest win percentage in the regular season in the NFL? What franchise? I'm I'm gonna go with the Jaguars. Got the Jaguars, Sam. I'm gonna go with the Texans. I think Houston Texans. So I will tell you where your guesses are. The Houston Texans have the 28th best win percentage. The Jacksonville Jaguars have the 31st. 
Oh. So the worst team, believe it or not, they are currently 10 and four this year. Arizona Cardinals? And the defending champions, the oh, Tampa wow. Bay Buccaneers, have a have a franchise 398 regular season huh. win percentage, 284 and 430, which is, I mean, could be a, a recency bias thing. But, I mean, even they have two Super Bowl wins. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. So, it, you know, talking about teams that have been tortured for various moments in time, I think, you know, the Vikings are good pick there. Browns, uh, say Jaguars. Uh, uh, I, I think the Jets are also a good pick for the fact that some of their best teams in the last several decades was the Mark Sanchez, uh, you know, led Jets that ended in a butt fumble. It's like that that was one of your uh, best uh, teams in recent memory. Two and that's years. the way it ended. You know, two back, years in a row. Yeah, the Jets were one went away from the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was to the Steelers and in, in, uh Colts, I believe. And so you have the Vikings that have lost four Super Bowls. Bills uh, have lost four. So and the Bills have lost four, which is worse, losing four Super Bowls in different eras or losing four Super Bowls consecutively? Because that's what the Bills did. Right. They went to four Super Bowls <sighs> in a row and lost each one. I think yeah, in, I, in a row is terrible yeah. because, because, like, because you know, you know, once you go like two years and lose, you sit around, you're like, this is the team. This is the team that's going to do it. And they haven't been back since in their franchise. Like you kind of had your shot and missed it. So that, that, that has got to be just draining, incredibly draining. Yeah. I mean, I bet the, I mean, the bills are probably anyone in the AFC East. Is a solid pick just because they had to go up against the Patriots for 20 years. And apparently maybe the Patriots now for another 20 years, but you know, we'll wait and see how, uh, how legit this Patriots team is. Typically speaking, when in any athletic event, it's you and your team against the opposition. And lately in sports, there's been an additional player or team, so to speak, that has been kind of messing things up. And unfortunately, that would be COVID-19. Everything, the world was put on pause last year. We didn't have any sports for months on end. Right now, we're seeing some of the most cases in sports in general that we've seen ever. In the NFL, there was a three-day period last week where over 100 players were uh, tested positive. Uh, There was a game that was played on... Saturday, I believe it was, between the Nets and the Magic. And the best player in that game was Patty Mills or Brooke Lopez. Uh, it was Robin Lopez. Oh, Robin Lopez. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Wrong Lopez, brother. But sports right now has an issue, and that's dealing with the pandemic and this new Omicron variant that seems to be spreading as well as any other variant. What can sports do about this problem? Or is there anything to do? I, I honestly don't know what can be done about it. Vaccination rates are obviously something that first comes to mind. When you look at that conversation, you have differing, I don't want to say penalties, but differing protocols if a vaccinated or an unvaccinated player gets the virus. Even that alone isn't enough to kind of push and, and persuade more people to get vaccinated. Obviously, you can't really f- force them to get vaccinated, nor should they. But this is a real problem. 
the quality of games, not only from a viewer standpoint, but I mean, also from a health standpoint. I mean, the more people that get the virus, obviously the bigger risk to that person. So I, I really don't know with everything that's been laid out, all the science and and all in the, the different protocols, it still isn't enough to push the back the vaccine. So with that being said, I really don't know how else you kind of convince people to to go ahead and get vaccinated so we can we can kind of get get past this or we're in a situation where it, there is a positive test to which it's a, it's a mild more mild case and and they can be back by next week or or two weeks so I, I honestly have no idea what you do it's a tough situation all major four because all major four pro even college football and college basketball are also experiencing uh some cancelizations there's like 13 bowl games actually canceled that i didn't know about um 32 college uh, basketball teams are on pause right now i think i would not be surprised if there's a short break in all sports um hopefully it's not like when covid first appeared where there's just no sports at all i think i think the best thing because like tanner said it is kind of a milder case of the covid uh 19 so maybe like a two two week break kind of get get everything situated maybe come up with better protocols something needs to be done because it's spraying like wildfire so I think there's an eventual pause in all sports, unfortunately, yeah. for us sports fans. Looking at the teams on Monday recording, there are two Monday night football games. And then tomorrow, we're going to have two Tuesday night football games. So we have three additional games on Monday and Tuesday that we wouldn't have ordinarily had because of COVID-19 and the rise of cases Uh, The Browns currently have 19 players out. The Rams, 22. The Washington football team, 14. In the NBA, I mean, we're we're getting close to Christmas Day, which in the NBA is supposed to be this big spectacle with with all these great marquee matchups. There's there's a high likelihood that the virus being passed around in some of these locker rooms, like with with Kyrie Irving deciding to come back and play basketball (laughs) and then immediately going on COVID protocol, Kevin Durant's out. The product is just not as good. Right. And, and, and that's going to be a decision. I mean, from a business standpoint, do you lose two weeks of games, of revenues, of TV and, and that sort of thing or and, and take the lower quality product? And I think one thing that kind of works in favor of sports fans of continuing play is, I mean, when, when everything stopped, and the NBA in particular, when that sh- slew of people testing positive kind of shut down shut down the league, we didn't know what we were up against, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that is a big thing as well, because n- yeah. n- now we, we kind of have a good, a good idea of what we're up against now. Mm-hmm. And I think just, just from, an, from a league standpoint, Obviously, they are going to do everything in their power to make sure we do not enter another shutdown. And while the the average fan might think it's a good idea to get everyone back and healthy and would forfeit two weeks of of games and, and whatnot to come back to this improved state of the league, 
I'm not, I don't think the league is going to sign up for that. No. I think it would be much more likely not to forfeit all of those games, but just push the season back two weeks. Like if, if they did decide to take a break, I think that would be the more likely option. Just, you know, wherever we are in the schedule, just shove that thing back a little bit. If, if there were to be a break taken, it, it certainly would not be anywhere close to what we saw in 2020. It would only be, it would be less than a month. If, if that's the precedent we're taking of, if things get this bad, we're going to take a break, you know, then we're facing the likelihood of, you know, what if things get bad again? Because, you know, this is, this is just one variant that we're facing right now. You know, who knows what the future is going to bring. This is a moving situation. My only hope is we don't go back to like the bubble and no fans. Cause that it's just not mm. the same product without fans. And it True. definitely takes away from the atmosphere surrounding sports. So I hope, I really hope it yeah. doesn't come to that. And, but and we'll see. And the stuff like that takes a toll on the players. I mean, not only are you just playing for, for basically nobody in, in, in the arena. I mean, as people who played sports, we all know kind of what that feels like when we're in a, in a big game and, and the crowd gets behind you and there's nothing like it. And that's part of the reason why people fall in love with sports in the first place. Um, and then not to mention if there is a, another bubble, the, the whole being separated and isolated for so long and, and living in, in your, in a hotel room to which you can't really leave at all. Um, it's, it, takes an incredible toll on the players. So let's, uh, for, for everybody's sake, um, really hope that, that that format doesn't come back. <laughs> let's talk about some of the games that have been postponed uh, due to COVID-19 and the NFL. Uh, tonight, in addition to having your scheduled Monday night football game between the Vikings and the Bears, today we also have the Raiders and the Browns. And then on Tuesday, we have, we have the Seahawks and the Rams and the Washington football team and the Philadelphia Eagles. I think the thing that's interesting about the games that they picked to postpone, because there were certainly other teams as well, that there, there are other teams that were suffering from having a large amount of COVID cases. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a reason they pushed these games back, particularly because these games have playoff implications. Because when we talk about tonight's game between the, uh, between the Raiders and the Browns, the Browns are seven and six with a win that would put them in a three-way tie for the lead in the AFC North. And even with a loss, they'd be at seven and seven and they'd be one of like, you know, 10 other teams that are tied either at seven and seven or eight and six, or if you're special in the hunt, uh, seven and six and one by the Pittsburgh Steelers, <laughs> but which sidebar, how funny would it be if the Steelers tie to the Lions is the only reason the Steelers don't make the playoffs. Like you couldn't, you couldn't beat the, you couldn't beat the Lions, and that's the reason why. Hey, the but, Vikings, Steelers, and Cardinals have a can't beat the Lions club. <laughs> but yeah, that invite usually, only. It's invite only. <laughs> is is anyone else gonna be a part of that club in the last three weeks? I hope so. The Lions. Misery loves company, right? The, Lions the Packers crazy. are coming. That's right. Week uh, week uh, eighteen. Yeah. Yeah, they already have the division locked up. Jordan Love's going to be on the field. You know their history with injuries this year. They're going to be playing their practice squad, and here comes Jared Goff in that dominant Lions offense. You know what? I'm I'm down to uh, 
if if the Packers have already solidified the one seed, you know, then yeah, feel feel free to beat us, Detroit. Say so feel free. With with tonight's game with the Raiders and the Browns, I want to use the Browns to talk about the AFC North a little bit and just we find ourselves in a really tight race in the AFC, definitely in both the both conferences, but definitely in the AFC. We have one division where every team is separated by one game, but then you also have five teams that are eight and six in the AFC. You have one team that's seven and six. That'd be the Browns. Steelers are seven, six, and one. And then you have the Dolphins and the Broncos that are seven and seven. Eight and six and seven and seven from the four seed all the way down to the 12 are separated by one game. That's how tight things are in the AFC right now. Of all the teams fighting for that, who do you like to survive to make the playoffs? As it, as it currently stands, uh, the Chiefs, Patriots, Titans, and Bengals are the division winners. And the three wildcard teams are the Colts, Chargers, and Bills. Uh, the Ravens are one of those teams that are eight and six, but as currently stands, they would be the odd man out. When it's all said and done, who's getting in and who's missing out? Right now, one team that I think I, I would bet to, to maintain their position and make the playoffs is the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I think they're, they're playing good football at the right time. I mean, what they start like 0 3, 0 and 4, something like mm-hmm. that. And Saints are, are 8 and 3, 8 and 2, whatever. Coming off a big win against the Patriots. And right now the Titans are a team that's kind of sliding. And before we know it, three games left, the Colts might might go ahead and leapfrog Tennessee and, and take the lead of the AFC South. So the Colts right now are a team that I think I, I personally would 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 bet the most amount of money on to to make the playoffs. I mean, I, I can't disagree with that. Just how dominant Jonathan Taylor has been all season. It's hard to go against him. And you mentioned the Ravens. Um, Lamar Jack, I just don't think they can get done with Lamar Jackson with his injury struggles right now. I just don't see it happening for them. So I think the uh, Colts are a good bet on them sneaking into the playoffs. I, I really like the Colts. I think they're going to make it. Uh at the beginning of the season, I predicted the Colts to make it in the playoffs. So I'm a fan of their recent success. Uh, they started there's they started the season one and four. So that's yeah, that's that's what the Colts started with in the first five games of the season. So they're a team that's won uh, seven of their last eight. So uh, they've uh, they've been very impressive. A team that I think is going to make it in. The Chargers are currently holding the sixth seed, and their remaining schedule is at the Texans, home against the Broncos, and at the Raiders. Those are their three uh, remaining teams that they're playing up against. Uh, The Texans, you know, that's that. Don't need to talk about them. The Broncos and the Raiders, those are two teams that are still in the playoff hunt. But if you're going to play anybody, playing teams that are 7-7, and 6-7 and in the case of the Raiders, those are teams that you'd prefer to play. Uh, They are divisional games, and divisional games can bring – you know, like we saw this last week against the Chiefs and the Chargers going to overtime, crazy stuff can happen in divisional games. But with I mean, the Chargers have already lost to the Broncos this year, so exactly. that's a, to, to hit on that note. But yeah. obviously, we don't know what what uh, what's going on with Teddy Bridgewater. 
Um, oh, and yeah. again, uh, it seems like you say that every year. Um, and this one will be at uh, at SoFi instead of in in Mile High, which obviously is a is a completely different atmosphere. So, I agree. I, I do like the Chargers to to survive as well. Um, and I mean, hard. I, I it's hard for me to imagine a scenario in which the Bills don't make the playoffs. Um, they do have the Patriots coming up next week, which is uh, a huge matchup for for obvious reasons. But then they finish off with. I believe the the Jets and the Falcons. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think that's, the Bills that's are, a more that's a more on the favorable side. But uh-huh. you know, when when the Patriots beat the Bills, it, it, it seemed to pretty much be agreed upon that the Patriots seemed to have this division on lock after getting that win. But just like that, with a with an unexpected win, or I guess not unexpected for Tanner and I, because we picked yeah. the Colts to beat the Patriots. With the Patriots losing to the Colts and the Bills winning this past week, just like that, now the teams are within one game of each other again. And still so, have this head-to-head and, matchup. And still have this head-to-head matchup. So this next week is going to be critical. A team that I want to highlight that I don't know if we've talked about uh, in weeks, uh, the the Miami Dolphins. Uh, they were a team that started out the season 1-7. and seven. And since starting the season one and seven, they've won six in a row. Uh, and along the way, they beat the the Ravens and, oh boy, this schedule. Yeah, that's how you win six in a row. The team, the teams they've beaten, they've beaten the Jets twice, the Giants, the Texans, uh, the Panthers, and then uh, the this Ravens. Is the Dolphins. So yeah, this is the Dolphins. Yeah. So. They, they are a team that certainly caught fire, uh, whether they're real or not, because <laughs> those those games seem to be easy. It's very reminiscent of the Broncos' early schedule. But the Dolphins are about to have three games in a row to prove whether they're real or not. They play they play at New Orleans against the Saints, who apparently I mean, just turned into look, Titans when they played the Buccaneers. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, the Saints against the Buccaneers are just – a different breed like that's they are can can we dress the saints up in different uniforms and just have let the saints play the buccaneers every week apparently they own unless they unless they play in the playoffs unless they play in the (laughs) i'm sure you guys saw the thing on for sunday night football where everybody picked the buccaneers and then there's drew Brees who of course picked the saints and it's like they thought i was a madman yeah yeah, just a little fun fact. If the Browns win, they'll be the fourth overall seed in the AFC. AFC. So, so that'll kick they, down. That'll kick the Bengals out of the four. Yeah, but and, but if yeah. they lose, they're the twelfth seed. <laughs> yeah, that's all you need to know, right there. Uh-huh. That that is a fact that just proves how crazy the AFC has been this year. No kidding. That they're they're certainly a tough playoff race in the nfc as well it's nowhere close to that of the afc uh the the nfc pretty much seems to have its top six pretty well locked up you have the four division leaders with the packers who have since clinched the division uh cowboys buccaneers and cardinals and then you have the rams and the 49ers at the five and the six uh the 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 49ers have an eight and six record but then there's, 
you know, these next four teams vying for that last spot. The Saints currently hold the seventh spot at seven and seven. Uh, but then you have the football team and the football team, the Vikings and the Eagles, who all three play either today or tomorrow. So all have the opportunity to move uh, to seven and seven to be tied with the Saints. So unless you think either the Rams or more likely the 49ers, if, unless you think the 49ers are going to fall out, which I personally don't think so. Who's taking that last spot in the in the NFC to uh, have the right to travel to Dallas in uh, in the wild card round? I think it's the Saints, just because. I mean, obviously they they currently hold that spot, but they have to play the Dolphins, to which we said kind of they've been playing well, but they've been playing well against bad teams. Um, they have to play the Panthers, a team they lost to earlier in the year, but we kind of know how the Panthers have been playing the, the rest of this year. And then they have to play the Falcons. So a very favorable schedule and a team like Minnesota is, is yeah, if they win tonight against the bears, granted it, it's in Chicago. So um, it's no, no gimme whatsoever. And it's of course the Vikings, So it's going to be a close game, but then they got to play the Rams. I think they got to play the Packers again. So those are two games where the Vikings will not be favored. And then you look at, the Washington football team, their team that's hard to figure out. They still got to play the Cowboys and the, and the Eagles twice, which again, uh, that that football team Eagles matchup, it's going to kind of be, I don't really know who to lean heavily and that yeah. takes out they'll, too. They'll, so yeah, they'll probably split. Yeah. If I have right. To guess. Exactly. And plus they have that Cowboys game in there for Washington. So I, I I'm just leaning the Saints right now. I think that's that win against Tampa. I mean, granted, we, we just talked about that, the juju that New Orleans has against Tampa, but mm-hmm. the rest of their schedule is the most favorable of the teams that are kind of fighting for that. So I'm going with New Orleans. I think, I think, uh, I think the saints will take it. Yeah. The, is Jameis Winston out for the season or yeah, yeah that's a bummer. Cause if, if he was able to come back the way that defense is humming and uh, they, they threw up a stat during the game that it had been something like, 260 some consecutive games where a Tom Brady led team scored points. 255. 255. Yeah. It's like, it's been that long since the, uh, the last time, last time a Tom Brady led team did not score, which by the way, you know, do some quick math, 255 divided by 16. That's nearly that's nearly 16 ago. Yeah. <laughs> I know you got some playoff games sprinkled in there, but yeah, that's like, that's a uh, teens, a teens number of seasons of, of points scored, which is. Yeah. I wonder when the last time a defending Super Bowl champion was like left scoreless sometime in the next season. I don't know. It, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't happen often. Probably not likely. Yeah. I, I tend to agree. Uh, with with the Saints being able to survive, the the team that could uh, the the team that could make the toughest run at them, I think, would be the Washington Football Team. Uh, and the reason why is that if you know if we're assuming that both teams win out or go you know two of three of their remaining schedule, if the Saints and the Washington Football Team end up with the same record, uh, the Washington Football Team would have the better record in conference. And so uh, because of that, they would have the tiebreaker uh, between the two. Uh, 
if I'm assuming that they did not play in which they did. So I take that back. Uh, this, so if they are in a three-way tie, uh, the Washington football team would have the advantage. But if it's just a two-way tie between the Saints and the football team, then the Saints would have the advantage. Who's, who's, is it, does it matter who the third team is? Like if it's the Vikings or the, or the Eagles? Let's see. Or is it just any three-way tie? Washington will. Um, will yeah, it, um, it's it's any three-way tie because uh, the Vikings and the Eagles have a. Uh, pr- pr- this is projecting, um, but the reason why is that the Vikings and the Eagles both have a conference record of four and four, and the football team has a conference record of five and three, and mm. the uh, the Saints have a conference record of five and five. If, if things finish well for the if, – if the Washington football team wins probably three of their last four, yeah, they'd have a solid chance to make it in over New Orleans. But New Orleans plays the Dolphins, the Panthers, and the Falcons, like you said, Tanner. So we're nearing the end of the NFL season. It's crazy how fast this has gone. And just one more thing to throw in there. It's not a division we talked about because we currently locked three of their teams in to make the playoffs. Yeah. And that is the NFC West with the, the Cardinals, Rams, and 49ers. I mean, the Cardinals with that loss to, to the Lions fall to 10 and 4. The Rams are 9 and 4. So the Rams, if they beat Seattle tomorrow on, on mm-hmm. Tuesday, then you're deadlocked at 10 and 4. And that's huge because the, the loser of that division, which probably will be Arizona or LA their wildcard weekend would be traveling up to Dallas. Yeah. And instead of instead of going ahead and, and playing six seed, which was probably the 49ers. So I think that's that's a big storyline there. Three of the four teams in the NFC West seem to make be making the playoffs. If you had said that at the beginning of the season, who would have guessed that it'd be the Seattle Seahawks that, that were the team missing out of the three of the four? Not me. If, yeah, it's like if if you had told me that three of the four at the start of the regular season. I'd probably guess either the 49ers or the Cardinals, not the Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, the, the Cardinals were a team that I thought was going to be improved. Uh-huh. Um, 10 and 4 with the division lead uh, not was not on the was not in my sights when I when I said <laughs> that. So to wrap up today's episode, we're going to do something a little different that we're going to be making a reoccurring ending of the show. We're going to have a question of the episode. Now, we want to get your thoughts from social media. I'll plug those in at the very end. We want to get questions from you that we can answer here on the pod. It can be sports-related or it can be completely random. We want to get questions from you that we can answer here on the pod. So today's question of the episode, who's a college quarterback that a lot of people have forgotten about? Yeah, I'll, I'll take this one first. Um, my forgotten college quarterback is Ohio State legend, Troy Smith. For those of you that don't remember, um, he was kind of Lamar Jackson before Lamar Jackson was a thing. Um, in 2006, he kind of ran the floor with um, the awards. Heisman, All-American, College Football Player of the Year, Fiesta Bowl MVP, Walter Camp, Davey O'Brien, Buckeyes MVP, Player of the Year, Associated Press, Big Ten Player of the Year, uh, and he was part of the Senior Bowl. Um, he he was dominant, to say the uh, least, uh, in his three years. 
he had a 62.7% completion rate, over 5,000 passing yards, 54 passing touchdowns, 13 interceptions, nearly 2,000 rushing yards and 14 rushing touchdowns in his three years at Ohio State. And a lot of people just don't talk about him, and he should be talked about. He's one of the best quarterbacks I've seen. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly remember Troy Smith. I, I, I remember a particular game uh, against Iowa where he decided to uh, kind of take over and, and yeah. absolutely dominated. Um, I believe that game was Kinnick, and I think Ohio State won like 45 to 16 or something like that. And it was just pretty ugly. My quarterback actually is a little bit more recent, and I'm going to go with Trayvon Boykin, who went to TCU from 2012 to 2015. Um, TCU is, is kind of a team that had a few, a few really good eras, and the Tra- Trayvon Boykin era is certainly, was certainly great for the Horned Frogs. I mean, in 2014, this was probably his best year. He led the Big 12 in completions, in passing touchdowns, in uh, and passing yards and just to kind of show how athletic and how much of a dual threat he was he was number he was number eight in the conference in rushing attempts and number nine in the conference in rushing yards and he was the TCU quarterback this is how this is how good he was and how much of a dual threat he was and yeah, I mean he, he ran 644 total plays which was again number one in the big 12 he was always on the field number one in yards in the big 12 that year all, all, all purpose yard not just passing so this dude affected the game in, in, in so many different ways and he, he almost led TCU to the playoff I mean it, the the committee ended up putting in Ohio State over TCU that year which I mean Ohio State went on to win the thing so it's hard to fault them for that but TCU had an incredible year that year and it was 100% due to Trayvon Boykin and his playmaking abilities. He was all over the field, and he was just so fun to watch. I remember Trayvon Boykin. Dude, what a beast. I'm going to go with someone who's – well, I, this, was, this wasn't who I was planning to go with. Uh, this, the only reason I'm bringing this guy up is because I saw a TikTok of him uh, overnight, and I was like, this is a good one to go with. Uh, this guy is synonymous with the word bust. This guy is someone who was going toe-to-toe with Peyton Manning in their draft class. This is Ryan Leaf. Uh, he was with Washington State for three years. And over the course of his three years, he threw for over 7,000 yards, 59 touchdowns, and ran for 14 touchdowns. Uh, his touchdown-to-interception ratio was, about, uh, was nearly 60 to 20. So he had about a three to one touchdown interception ratio. There was a legit argument, which, you know, now in retrospect looks funny, looks laughable, but there was an argument between who are you picking Peyton Manning or Ryan Leaf. And there were a lot of guys and scouts and analysts who were saying that it should have been Ryan Leaf, but this guy had a very short career in the NFL. He abruptly left the NFL in 2001 after being drafted to the Chargers in 1998. He had several legal troubles, as well as troubles on the field. He was arrested several times for burglary, uh, theft, drug charges. Oh, I didn't know about this one. On May 22nd, 2020, uh, Leaf was back at it again. Uh, He was arrested for misdemeanor domestic battery in California. So this this is a new one. I didn't, uh, I didn't know about this one, 
ever since he uh, left the league, had some legal troubles in the mid to late 2000s. During the mid 2010s, he's come back and he has worked with some athletes uh, trying to work with them to avoid to have avoid having the life that he had falling into drug issues, falling into theft issues. Uh, it's unfortunate to see that Leaf has uh, gotten involved with that again as of 2020. This, this guy is synonymous with the word bust. So Tanner, you seem to have had a reaction when I said synonymous with the word bust. Who, thought, are, you, who are you I, thinking? When you said that, I thought you were going a different route with Jamarcus Russell. Oh but, my. But when you, when you that's said- a, That's a fantastic one as well. When you said synonymous with the word bust, that popped into my head immediately. And yeah. I, and I, oh, that's a good one. So that's why I was like, oh, I was like, oh my God, he's going to do Jamarcus Russell. And then you said something. And then when you said the thing about uh, um, about Peyton Manning, I was Peyton like, oh, okay, it's not Jamarcus Russell. But um, oh. that's why my reaction was because as soon as you said that, a name popped into my head. So yeah. An yeah. honorary mention of yeah. Jamarcus Russell. I was going to say, Jamarcus Russell, this like, that guy was a dog too and then the best uh, story of all time is, oh, is when yeah. you heard the 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 raiders coaches gave him blank tapes to they feared that he wasn't watching film and they gave him the blank tapes and he came back and said yeah i watched them they were great and, you know, i learned this from the defense and they're like ah they were blank bro they, that, that is a top a top 10 sports story that is oh, yeah. so funny and Jamarcus Russell was also the uh, the target of uh, I, I forget what team it was. Uh, this team uh, would would hand out playbooks to rookies, uh, people, well, prospects. Uh, they weren't drafted at the time, but the, this particular team gave a playbook to Russell to have him look at. And in between the last two pages, they would stuff in there a hundred dollar bill. You know, they would be able to tell who did and didn't look at the playbook based off of whether they found the hundred dollar bill or not. Jamarcus Russell, allegedly one of those players that did not find the hundred dollar bill. So I didn't even yeah. know that story, but that's funny. You know, hitting the same note there, this dude didn't, didn't have the drive, which is fine, but boy, he was fun to watch in college. We're going to be throwing a graphic on social media about what our forgotten college quarterbacks were. We'll also be throwing a post on there about what are, what are some questions that you want to be asking us to wrap up our episodes so you can be a part of our podcast. So let us know what's your, what's the college quarterback that has been forgotten. And additionally, let us know what questions we should answer in the near future. But that will wrap it up for episode 26. Make sure to throw us a follow on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at crunchtime underscore pod. The clock has run out on this episode, but we'll see you in the next one on Crunch Time.